Well, the title of my message today is Run With Purpose, or there is a purpose for our run. There is a reason that we do what we do, and the idea is that we have an aim, we have a mission, we have a purpose for our life, and we need to set a course and make ourselves, get ourselves going in that direction. And we find with uh, Abraham, this is in um, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make unto you a great nation. So the purpose of moving, um, we find for Abram, was that he would find a better land. Well, there are some things that he had to let go of. <laughs> Imagine that. There are some things he had to let go of. He had to move from, away from his family. <laughs> okay, I don't suggest that. Uh, I'm not advocating that. But we find that in us moving into 2020, uh, a year that turned our planet <laughs> uh, into, into chaos, uh, 2020 will be remembered for a long time and for uh, all the different things that happened in this past year. But when God told Abraham to leave his relatives and to move to another land, did you know that there are blessed subtractions? <laughs> there are some people you just need to let go of. And, um, and I mean that in a nice way. You don't walk up to them and say, you know, I don't think I should ever be friends with you again in nice, nice, nice life. Uh, but we have to look at and evaluate friendships. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to evaluate um, things that we do, how we do them, and whether or not they have been profitable or they are God-centered enough. Sometimes we don't look at the profit. We look at whether this is the will of God. And if it's the will of God, then we need to, you know, we need to settle ourselves and keep our faith and keep uh, walking, walking along. So we find that there are blessed subtractions and there are blessed additions. Sometimes we need to allow new people into our lives. Sometimes we need to allow new habits. You know, we don't want to be like the uh, donkey, you know, walking around in a circle, grinding, grinding the, the mill. You know, that's a, that's a task for the donkey, not for you and I, to be walking in circles. So Abraham, for a season in his life, everything was going well. It seemed like that. He was doing well with his family, but God was about to do something new and big for Abram. And in order for all of that to happen, he had to leave that people that he was with, and he had to move beyond the area that he was living in and go to a place where God was going to um, establish him in a, in, in a completely different realm than what he was now. So sometimes we have to learn us. We have to learn to leave things behind. Sometimes we're told to move, and sometimes we're told to stay. And whenever we're told to stay, we need to make the best of what's going on in our life. And whenever we're told to move, we need to leave behind the luggage, <laughs> the luggage of uh, different things that in our life that we need to let go of. So the new year is a time to look over what is working and what is not, do not hoard. You're a hoarder. <laughs> Pack things away. Stuff things everywhere. 
Well, when you're moving into the new year, do not move everything from the past into the present. You need to clean house, an emotional clean house, a relational clean house. Now, there are some values that you never want to let go of, and there are some things that are just not worth keeping. So, what do we need to leave behind? We need to leave hurt behind. We need to leave behind a bad attitude, negative attitude. Or if there are areas of compromise, we need to leave those behind and pray that God would give us the strength each day that we face these things to overcome them. Don't bring those things into the new year. Those are things that were part of 2020, and they are things that need to stay there. There's a vaccine for that. It's called the blood of Christ. (laughs) Washes it away, cleanses it from our lives. So they don't belong in 2020. You can't go through life holding on to hurts, wrong attitudes, difficult people who are not good for you. You can't hold on to them. Do you know, I don't know if it happens to you, but there are are people, you know, there are people in my past that have been very difficult in fact, they have, I, I consider it for myself, hurt me very deeply. And, you know, it's just like at the oddest times, they'll just pop up, you know. You'll be just driving along, and all of a sudden you'll get this negative feeling about, oh, yeah, I remember so and so, you know. It's 20 years ago, 40 years ago, you know. But it, the idea is, it's almost like uh, the enemy of our soul pops it up, <laughs> and here, here's, the, here's the bait, here's the lure, Jump on it, (laughs) and you have to say, no, I let that go. It isn't something we need to rehash. It's already dealt with. Let it alone. So as we go into the new year, there are things that we need to purposely say, you know what, I've been dealing with this for nine months. I've been dealing with this for nine years. I've been dealing with this all my life. I'm not taking it with me to 2021. So we say goodbye because we know that there is something better. See, you will have to let go of some things in order to embrace others. Remember how to catch a monkey? Remember how to catch a monkey? You've cut a hole in the barrel, put bananas in there, and the hole is only big enough for the monkey to put his paw, his hand in there, and when he gets a hold of something, it's too big to pull out. And sometimes we're that way with the things that uh, we need to let go of. It's like we're going to drag that barrel into the future. No, let go of it. Let the barrel behind. So say goodbye to the past. Let 2020 go. The second thing for the new year is to make allowances for other people's faults. Not everybody is as perfect as we are. (laughs) As you are, I am, you know. There's few people that can qualify. And I mean that sarcastically. So we have to make allowances for each other's faults. You see, Colossians uh, 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Drop it. Leave it. (laughs) Let it go. Get over it. Move on. Let it die. Bury it. Burn it. (laughs) Whatever it takes. 
get rid of it. So there are things that we need to let go of. Now, did you know that there was a guy in the scripture named um, Ahithophel? I think I got that correct. Ahithophel. Now, Ahithophel was an advisor to King David for 25 years. <clears throat> and he's, uh, you know, he's quite an entrusted advisor. And when Absalom decided that he was going to take over the kingdom and uh, uh, rebel against his father, Ahithophel jumped ship. He went with Absalom. And, you know, it was like, that was kind of like a shock, you know. 25 years serving with, with uh, King David, and as soon as Absalom, you know, leads this rebellion, Ahithophel jumps over. Well, Ahithophel, perhaps, perhaps this is the reason, Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. And perhaps he never got over David having Uriah, the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, sent into battle and killed. Now, if you think about that, those are people who you, that you know are in places of leadership or high esteem, and you know that they've done things wrong, and they have hurt somebody, and, and we know that David was horribly wrong whenever he sinned against Bathsheba, whenever he sinned against Uriah and sinned against God, and had Uriah killed, and then, you know, he, he, so he could marry Bathsheba. Well, um, Ahithophel, perhaps he never let go of that. You know, it's one of those things, you know, he's there, this, he's the king of Israel, and he's supposed to be a godly man, but I know what he did. <laughs> and he could never get beyond what he did. Now, that doesn't mean we give permission, you know, I dealt with individuals that, their family members were killed in car accidents and drunk drivers and, you know, all the, all the crazy things that go on. And it's, you know, you're always going to remember that, but you can't allow it to determine what you're going to do because in the bitterness of that, we have to turn it over to God. God is the only one who can judge those things. We can't. And so we have to ask God for healing, not that the thing they did was correct, neither was what David did correct. So we have to allow God to make the decision and make the judgment because Ahithophel, he had, we're assuming that he had all this anger or this pent-up resentment against David, and he became, um, he became the, the advisor for, um, what was it, Absalom. He became the advisor for Absalom, and when Absalom, Absalom would not re receive his advice, Ahithophel went out and hung himself. So in reality, it was perhaps his harbored resentment against David that made the noose for his life to end. And we find that whenever we allow unforgiveness to continue to fester inside of us, and for, for Ahithophel it was 25 years, and we, when we allow those things to fester, it ends up being destructive to us. Now, for David, he, he and God had to set it straight, and he would have to live his entire life knowing he had done that to his faithful servant, Uriah. But God had to deal with David. Ahithophel had to deal with himself and turn over to God what David had done. So the poison of unforgiveness 
can lead us and will lead us down the wrong path. So don't, haul, don't hold on to negative baggage. And it doesn't mean that you, what you're thinking and feeling isn't correct. See, that's the challenge. What you're feeling may be correct because they did something wrong. But we cannot allow the wrongs of others to determine the life that we're going to live for God. And just as God has forgiven us, we must forgive others. So when you, when, when you do, whenever we do forgive, we drop it, leave it, let it go. God will heal our hurts. God will make provisions in our life. And he will restore the broken pieces. And he will pay back the injustice. We're dep- we are on a divine currency. And God will pay back the injustice. So if we're going to run with purpose... We must say goodbye to the past. We must make allowances for others and their faults. Third, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's James 1.8. A double-minded person. So a double-minded person is having in the mind opposites and opposite views at different times. That we are one person is one way one day and one day the next. We're all on doing good and, and helping, and we're all on hurting and cursing and doing something wrong. It's like, well, what are you today, you know? So we can't allow our double-minded, the wavering of the mind, the undecided. Now, this is not uh, the indecision of 5149. We're trying to make a decision. These are putting the pros and cons together. That's not double-minded. That's um, trying to assess, put things together, uh, work things out, so which is going to be the better in this situation, and we pray that God would direct us as to what it would be. But this <clears throat> double-mindedness is a kind of like a good and bad. We're, we want to do the right thing one day, and, you know, we're just going to do the, bad, the wrong thing the next. So we find that we want to put a du- an end to this, if it's part of our life. We want to put an end to this double-mindedness. Seek God in his word. Allow God to speak to us in his, in his scriptures. Allow the Holy Spirit to let us know the, 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 the path. You know, you don't have to pray about stealing. You don't have to pray about lying. Should I tell a lie or should I tell the truth? Well, you know, some people, you, they can't tell the difference between a lie and the truth. Because in their minds, they lie as much as they tell the truth. And they only tell the truth if a lie won't be good enough. <laughs> you know? It's like, if we, can do, if we can make it better and bigger than what it is, we need to lie. Even if the truth is there, we just build on it a little. So those types of individual, that double-mindedness, is what the scripture is talking about. So we put off these behaviors that is keeping us from doing the thing that will make us more like Christ. <laughs> See, Jesus didn't have that problem because he didn't compromise. He, he never... Um, he never lied. <laughs> you know, he never told a lie. He, he did what was right. He did consistently the right things for the right reasons. So being single-minded is that we always stand for the principles of what we believe. We believe in this truth that we're going to stand before God with these principles and we're going to answer to God for what we've done and said. So let us answer to God in the, in the present and ask God for direction in the present, and ask God for how we are to, you know, follow through these things. 
John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome. Speak the truth. So, say goodbye to the past. Make allowances for each other's faults. Don't be a double-minded person. And the fourth is, run with purpose. That's the title of the message. Run with purpose. 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who complete, competes in the games does not, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown, excuse me, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So he's talking about how that we have a responsibility to, as a runner, as a person who is uh, in training, you know, you, you, <laughs> it takes a lot of emotional, physical activity and, you know, the de denial of... <laughs> some of the foods that we would like to eat, and pushing our body and pushing what we do uh, you know, to different levels in order to become better at it. And we find that in doing the things that uh, in our lives that God wants us to do, we have to deny our flesh, meaning there are appetites that uh, we have or would, our flesh would desire to have that we have to keep into captivity. We have to guard it. And with the new year comes a new start, a fresh start. We talk about it in a sense of resolutions. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I think lose weight and get out of debt are probably the top, one, some of the top resolutions. But we must, re we must have the resolution that will make a difference for eternity. A resolution that we might pray a few minutes more or a few minutes each day that we might settle our minds and hearts down and just think about God and about scriptures and about God's presence being with us. That we would do something extra for our relationship with God. Come to Sunday school, <laughs> uh, Wednesday night, or Bible study for the ladies. Just something different or something else in your own time frame, in your own place with devotions, and just read and to read those and, and think about them for a while. And so we refocus our life, get rid of the distractions. <laughs> Paul said every step he took was purposeful. You know, we, we don't often see that. Uh, the other, yesterday I was, uh, I was uh, spreading salt out for the, the ice that was supposed to come this morning. <laughs> it didn't come. But... Uh, in, in my lack of concentration, I tripped over the fence out there, the, the rope that I had up, <laughs> and I did a face plant <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the concrete. And you wonder where my bruises are. Well, I landed on the plastic container that I had all the salt in. 
I bent it up pretty good. But I landed on that, and fortunately, there were, well, one of the uh, person that was from the church years ago saw me fall, and uh, they come over and wanted to know if I was all right, and I said, well, I'm just as good as I've ever been. <laughs> so the only thing I did was rip the end off of my finger. So I sh- if I hadn't had that plastic thing to land on, I, I'd have really been banged up. You know, I'd have probably busted my nose and, you know, all that other good stuff. But you know what happened is I never take two containers. I either always take this little thing that uh, spreads salt out like a, um, a hand thing, you know, push the button and it spreads the salt. And then I have this other container that you can just dump salt out. I never have both of them. But yesterday, for some reason, I didn't wear my good coat. Yay. <laughs> I did take this container and... Uh, I, I stepped over the, the, the fence, and it's only a foot off the ground, but it got stuck in the tongue of my shoe, and, you know, it didn't pop out till my leg popped off, and, and somehow I landed on that plastic container that I never take with me. That was my airbag. <laughs> my airbag was deployed, <laughs> and, but there, okay, okay, God, why didn't you keep me from falling? Well, I, I gave you, I got, you got your old sweatshirt on, and I got you an airbag. What else do you want? <laughs> so, but the idea is walking with purpose, that every step, huh, every step was purposeful. Well, we think, well, that's not purposeful. Well, maybe in some way it is purposeful for, for me to pay attention, or purposeful for someone else that was part of the church here years ago. Perhaps they come back. You know, I don't know what the purpose was, but there is a purpose to our life. And so we are looking that we are entrusting our steps to the Lord. The steps of the, <laughs> the, steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Well, God, you should have helped me on that one. Well, maybe I should have paid more attention to what I was doing. But you see, You don't blame God. We look at ourselves and how we're going to look at this, and God has entrusted us with his life. So you're not just on the planet Earth to take up space or to crack concrete with your head. You're a person of divine purpose. We are a purpose that God has a gift and responsibilities that he's placed in our life. And we know that God has a plan, and the question is, do we have a plan? And so we're looking at the plans, and I was, I was looking at uh, some things on the internet, and I come up with I, Warren Buffett. Now, I'm not saying he's a good guy, bad guy. I'm just saying Warren Buffett here. He is perhaps the second wealthiest, wealthiest person on the planet, okay? So we would, th- would say, well, what is it that he has done? And he says, it's not basically what I've done, it's what I've not done. See, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. For most ambitious people, we want to accomplish things. We are driven for results, doing more, learning, learning things, getting promoted, starting new ventures. But we also have our personal lives that we can't ignore for optimum balance and happiness. We have to arrive at some balance. So what he does is, Buffett advises is a bullseye 
to our conscience. We have to know what, it, what we want to shoot for to simplify our lives. What are we shooting for? It means saying no over and over again to the unimportant things flying in our direction every day. Remain focused on saying yes to the few things that really, truly matter. Steve Jobs agrees with this. His quote is, people think focus means saying yes to things you've got to focus on, but that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that, are there, that there are. You have to pick carefully. I'm actually as proud of the things we haven't done as the things I have done. There are seven things successful people say no to every day. One, they say no to opportunities and things that don't excite them. I'm not part of that bullseye. I'm condensing these. Saying no to superficial networking events, such as going somewhere to swap cards. That's what he says. Never go to all those. That's what he said. Three, say no to spending time with uninspiring, critical, or negative people that drag you down. Let certain people go, blessed subtractions. Say no to overworking. Very successful people aren't workaholics who neglect self-care and family. Say no to doing all the work. Delegate. No amens from Rhonda. <laughs> she said. Never mind, won't go there. Number six, say no to things that, uh, say no to giving the steering wheel of life to anyone else. I always used to use that in one of my illustrations, um, was that um, you, you don't walk down, you don't go down the street with your car and, and pull over and get in the passenger seat and ask some guy, any, some stranger to drive for you, you know. Why not? Because they're going to take you where you don't want to go. Well, we don't do that with people. You don't let other people direct your life. It's your life. You've got to keep control of your time. You can't unless you say no. And number seven, they say no to people-pleasing. <laughs> and the last one they, they do is uh, write down your list of your top 25 career goals. Take out the five most important, circle them, and then drop the other 20. <laughs> I should have read this 50 years ago. So, but the, it doesn't mean that it would be any different. It just means that we hopefully would find a better way to understand what we're doing and pay attention. You know, sometimes uh, it's very hard to say no this seems to be that way. And, um, but we find that there are certain things that the bullseye of career opportunities and so on, we need to pay attention to them. So, say goodbye to the past, make allowances for each other's faults, um, a double-minded person is unstable, run with purpose, and number five is, you are armed, you have armed me with strength for the battle, you have subdued my enemies under my feet. We are armed with strength for the battle. God knows every battle, and so God has given you the strength you need for that battle. 
It doesn't catch, our circumstances do not catch God off guard. <laughs> he didn't, he do, it's not a surprise. He knows all of them. He's, he is at work in us. He knows the temptations that, we will, that are coming to us, and he knows our weaknesses. He wants to know, are we willing to ask him for guidance and strength not to enter into those temptations? Stay away from those temptations. Um, every obstacle you will face, God knows what it is, but we have strength for the battle. So he's not only put these things under your feet, he has armed you. You are a warrior, you are a victor, you are not a victim. He has already equipped you. He has filled you with this can-do power. He has given you his spirit. He has given you his blessing. He's adopted you, as we were saying on Wednesday night, as, as uh, his child. We've been brought into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. So we lift our sail of faith, you know. We let the wind of the Spirit blow on our lives and the breath of God be upon us as that wind was a, as the sound of a mighty rushing wind in Pentecost. We have the sound of God's blessing coming into our lives and the wind of the Spirit, so we lift our sails uh, uh, to catch the wind of God's Spirit to take us to the direction that he wants us to go. And always he, he gives us this sense of where we are going. Like Abraham, he had to know that it was God's call to let go of certain things and move to a different place because God was going to do a new thing. And we find others, other prophets, they stayed right where they were at and it was in that place that God blessed them and they were able to bless the people around them. So we don't have to go somewhere to be blessed. We have to allow God to bless us where we are. Let some of the things, you know, the things that aren't working, that aren't part of the bullseye, that are not exciting, do not excite us anymore, let them go. Allow God to give us the strength and the ability to stay focused on what he wants for us. Stand strong in the power of the Lord. And when you've done everything you can, stand stands in the strength of the Lord. And Wednesday night, our Ephesians, I wanted to read this. I didn't give this to you, Terry, so you don't have it. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. For God takes us to high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind had settled on us the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ages, he, long, long age, he, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. <laughs> How about that? What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into this celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son. We run with purpose. <laughs> what a pleasure God took in planning our lives. And remember, he, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. And what pleasure he took in planning our lives.
to bless us. Let go of some things. Move on into the future. Don't pack your bags. Don't pack everything of the past and haul it into the future. Let some things go. Remember what goes in that bullseye is that's what God has called you to do. And we allow him to, by his spirit, to breathe the breath of life into us. And we will know what is his will and his purpose for our lives. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, O oh God, that speaks to our lives in so many different ways, but yet in a very specific way, a specific blessing and direction, a specific calling for what we are doing and what you can do through what we are doing. So, Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you for putting all this in place before there was anything in place. You put our lives in place. And it was there that you sought out blessings to bring to us. We receive them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful new year.